This is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel, Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. Now, this is a very dogmatic statement by Jesus. Jesus didn't say, I'll show you the way. If he said, I'll show you the way, what that would mean is once I show you the way, then you can do it on your own. I'll show you the way means that you don't really need me. You can find it yourself, but I'll make it easier for you. And also notice Jesus didn't say, my teachings are the way. So if you just uh, just follow my teachings, that, that wasn't what he was saying. He said, I am the way. While Jesus calls us to follow him, he also made it clear that salvation is through him and not through our works in any way. Placing your faith in him to save you through his work on the cross begins a heart transformation that will move outward and shape the way you live. As Pastor Troy will make clear in today's message, our good works should be driven by gratitude and a desire to glorify God for the salvation he provided freely through Jesus Christ, not in an effort to earn our place in his family. Now, here's Pastor Troy in the book of John, chapter 14, with today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock. Whether it's a room, a space, or just an area that you get, doesn't matter. It's going to be awesome. Better than anything you have here. And there's plenty of room. And he goes to prepare a place. And guys, if he's going to prepare a place, and and he's taking this long, you know what God could do in like six days, right? So that place... It's going to be pretty nice. So since you'll be going to the Father's house, and he describes it as the Father's house, you know what that means, why that's important? Because when you go to the Father's house, you'll be with the Father. Not to some good place, and the Father's not even there. You will be with him, and not only with the Father, but the Son. I will go prepare a place, and I will come and bring you back with me. You'll be where I am, which is where they wanted to be. So where you're going, get your eyes on that. Who you know, where you're going, and three, when you'll go. It says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now this could be a whole message in and of itself. It's a text that has blessed and, and built up the hope of the church ever since Jesus said it. Because what it did was it, caused them and has caused us to live with a sense of expectation. He said, I'm going to prepare a place and I'm going to come back and receive you to myself. And we've latched on to that and we're excited about it. That one day we'll be with him where he's at, seeing things we couldn't imagine seeing right now. Some of us will go by the way of the shadow of death. Maybe all of us, we don't know when, but he could come back any time. And so it's possible that some of us might go by way of, well, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. But regardless of how we go, we're not ex- 
We, we, don't, we don't know if 10 years is going to come or five years. We don't even know if next year is going to come. Not just because of a rapture, but because of our own lifespan. We don't know what, what God has in store. And so those plans that we make for the distant future, they're okay, but they may not never come to pass. They may never happen. They're not the most important thing. The most important thing is today. And the scripture says, don't worry about all those things up there. This day has enough to consider itself and it's itself. So just consider what God's doing today. Consider what God is asking you to do today. You know, the best way to get to your five years from now is to take your faithful steps today. And he's only going to give you enough for today. If you take those faithful steps each day, you will end up where he wants you to be in one year, in five years, in 10 years. You'll be all right. You don't have to know the the full plan. So for you controllers out there, this is hard. We're called to a life of faith. We don't always know how it's going to end up. We don't know where the turns are going to be. I mean, God kind of ministered to that in my heart one day. I was driving home, and when you, on one of the horizons, you see the big, you know, the golden arches, McDonald's, you know, the big sign. And it looks like you're going to drive right into the golden arches, but then you come to the top, and it kind of curves. You know, sometimes God uses certain things and he gets us and we're going a direction, only God diverts and he changes and he goes, no, you thought you were going to do this and get this, but really I was doing this, you didn't see it just yet. And he directs and he guides and he keeps us moving. Our part is to live in expectation, to keep our eyes on him, to be okay when things don't go the way we thought that they would. And to keep following him. Because we know who he is. We can trust him. It doesn't always play out the way that we think it should. But one thing we do know is that he's the Lord. And he loves us. And he's preparing us and preparing a place for us. And we just want to do as scripture says. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And he gives them assurance He says, I'm going to prepare a place, and I'm not going to do it in vain. I'm going to come back. If I do it, I'm going to come back and receive you to myself. So there's a sense of assurance in this also. Speaking of assurance, Jesus says to them, and you know where I'm talking about, and you know the way to get there. Apparently, Thomas feels like he doesn't, because Thomas, in verse 5, says this. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Here's another thing we need to understand if we're going to be able to move ahead and get through some of the messes in life, and that is messy lives can get confused. We need help. Don't think you can navigate some of the messes yourself. Um, I've heard, and, and many people think, All you got to do is go um, spend a couple of minutes with the Lord and and it'll all be fixed. But there's more to that than growing and going in the Lord. God has built himself a church and he's given gifts to the church and experiences. When we come together as a body, we're able to minister one to another and get each other to think outside of our normal circle of thoughts. Ideas that I wouldn't have thought about before. 
an experience you've had I didn't have. And I go, whoa, that gives me more to think about. It's one of the reasons that we have a men's and a women's ministry. These are places, women, men, that you can go and open your heart and talk to men who've either been there, who have wisdom, who've run the race ahead of you, who can pour into you. Oh, by the way, not only will you find that there are those who can pour into you, but you'll also find that there are those who need to hear what you have to say. Because if we're going to grow, there comes a time where you can't do it by yourself. You need discipleship. You need to be involved in discipleship. You need to be around other believers who are pouring into you and who you can pour into. And if you're not in that, if you're not plugged into that, you're going to go nowhere. We run the risk of forming the Lord into our own image. It's the way I see him. And I'm not letting any other influence just me and my Bible and the way I've interpreted it, rather than wrestling through the scriptures, taking it to the Lord, but also going and being around his people, men with the men at times, women with the women at times, to hear that perspective, their hearts, their experiences. And we need those times. Messy lives can get confused. Why did Jesus say, where I go you know and the way you know? It's like, would they have known? Did they know? Well, it's because Jesus has been telling them over time and consistently that he was returning to the Father. I'm returning to glory. He's told them these things. So, you know, that, that's the where. And the way, he's told them that also. He's been telling them things like, I'm the good shepherd and I lead. And I am the door, he told them. I'm the door. So he's told them all these things all along. They weren't really putting it all together. And so Jesus gives us what they call um, in, the, in the writing world a thesis. He gives them the whole thing in one or two sentences, actually. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All that I've told you, let me sum it up in this. I am the way, the truth, the life. I'm also the door. I've said this, but no one comes to the Father but through me or by me. Let me make it clear. Let me put it all together. I love that Thomas asks this question. Thomas is an honest disciple. He's not afraid when he needs clarification to ask. If Thomas doesn't ask some of his questions, we don't get some of the greatest statements of Jesus in the scriptures. He says, Thomas does, Lord, we do not know where you're going And how can we know the way? I am certain the other disciples had the same question. But they're probably just shaking their heads. You, Jesus said, you know the way. You know how to get there, all this stuff. And they're like looking around at each other. You know, like kids in class, the teacher says, does anyone have any questions? And the kids in the class, a lot of them, you know, usually because of pride, they don't want to raise their hand and look like they don't know. So what they do is they just look around to see if anyone will ask. And then when that one kid asks, it's like, oh, thank you. And the teacher explains it. It's pride that keeps us from listening. It's pride that keeps us from being willing to ask the questions. Pride keeps us from growing in the Lord. We think we know more than we do, or we're not willing to let ourselves ask the questions when we have them. Look, it's been said there's no dumb question And the the truth in that, 
there's some things maybe we should have known, and we ask the question, we go, oh, I can't believe that. But that doesn't make it a dumb question. It's dumb not to ask the question if you need clarification. It's dumb to do something and do the wrong thing when you should have known the right thing, but you didn't ask a question. So ask the questions. Be around God's people. Pray with God's people. Open your heart. And then you take all of these things to the Lord and let him give you that perfect clarification. Thomas's question allows Jesus to give us uh, one of the greatest texts and responses we have in the scriptures. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If Thomas doesn't ask this question, we don't get that answer. Pastor Troy will return soon with the second half of today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock. If you're enjoying the teachings of Pastor Troy Neely and would like more information about this program, we invite you to visit our website at buildingonthesolidrock.com. There, you'll find an archive of previous messages from the verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the books of the Bible. We'd also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, as you'll be able to gain access to the latest teachings as soon as they're posted. That website, again, is buildingonthesolidrock.com. We're blessed to be a part of your life through the teachings of this program, and we pray you're blessed as you continue to tune in. Now, back to Pastor Troy with more of today's message. Now, this is a very dogmatic statement by Jesus. Jesus didn't say, I'll show you the way. If he said, I'll show you the way, what that would mean is once I show you the way, then you can do it on your own. I'll show you the way means that you don't really need me. You can find it yourself, but I'll make it easier for you. And also notice Jesus didn't say, my teachings are the way. So if you just uh, just follow my teachings, that, that wasn't what he was saying. He said, I am the way. See, if it was just his teachings that were away, then he could die and never raise and we'd be fine because we have his teachings. So we have them. It's all we need. But that's not enough. See, we need him. We need his constant voice. We need his guidance. We need his conviction. We need the Holy Spirit of God in our lives helping us, guiding us, counseling us, helping us override those natural thoughts that we have so that we can be overcomers. And the language is very clear. There is no other way. I am the way. There is no other. There's no room for, well, that's your interpretation. We don't interpret that. We say, that's what Jesus told us, and we just embrace it. We believe it. The truth is, you can't be religious enough to go to heaven. There's no such thing as being religious enough You can't be churchy enough. You can't use enough church language. You can't be good enough. As good as you try to be, you can never be moral enough to go to heaven. You can only come through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by Him. I'm glad that we didn't have to list today 50 different things you have to remember and do whenever your life's a mess. Because when your life's a mess, you can't remember all the things that you need to do. Sometimes you can't even think of your own name. There's too much going on. What happened yesterday? Some weeks are so busy, so messy. I can't even think of what happened yesterday. You want me to remember last week? So it's good that the Lord has made it easy. Simple for us who have some messes going on around us. 
See, they, the disciples, had not yet experienced Jesus' resurrection. So they didn't see that he would overcome death. They didn't see this just yet. They had a taste with Lazarus being raised, but they hadn't seen it for themselves. But we, Christians, today, we get to look back. We um, know that he's overcome death. And we also know that we don't have to fear some of the scariest things like death because Jesus has overcome them. We don't have to fear death. If, if we die, we know where we're going. If we die, we know that's just the doorway toward that room or mansion or whatever you want to call it that is awesome. Jesus is still working on us. He leaves us here because he's causing us to be lights in this world. The rest of the world needs to respond by faith also, and therefore they need to look at you, not, not see God in a bolt of lightning going, believe, because that wouldn't require much faith. I'd be, oh, okay, I get it. But because salvation is by grace through faith, faith is required. There's our part. So they're looking at you, they're hearing, and then God is confirming. Trust me, when you share things with people and you go, wow, I don't think they got it. It's okay. You went in. So all it's got to do is go in. And then they'll call you a nut a weak person, you know, uh, leaning on the crutch of religion. And then they'll go home and they'll still have nothing and the Lord will go. Yeah, this isn't your friend speaking. This is real. This is not just a warning. Your life is in danger. And the Lord can speak to them. And he uses words you've said and others and they get something on the radio. Oh, they can't run from the Lord. You can't run from the Lord. If, you, if you're born again and you know, you know about this, you can't run. You try for a little time. You try not to hear. I don't want to change that way, so I don't want to hear it. But he's everywhere. He's on the radio. He's on the TV. He speaks through mules and everything else. You go, wow, Lord. And finally you give up. and You go, Lord, forgive me. Help me to listen. So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he makes it very easy for us to come to him. In fact, he commands us to come to him. Here's his cure for the troubled heart, and I'll read it in his words. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, we go around carrying a ton of things. Have you ever had like a really big load of of whites? The white, you know, laundry, the whites, you know, socks and different things. They're they're small pieces. The whites are the smaller pieces, it seems. He said, it is in our house. And so when you do the white, you know, the, the darks, the jeans, easy. Wrap them up, walk around with them. But the whites... It's like they're, they're dropping all over the place if you, have, if you try to hold on to too many of them. You know, it can be a little frustrating. Well, our, our problems are like that. We're trying to carry them. We're trying to hold them. We're trying to walk around with them. And it's a little frustrating and it's overwhelming. Clean socks are getting dirty again because we're not only dropping them, we're walking on them. And it's getting messy. We're making a bigger mess of things than we are actually making progress. So the Lord says, look, just reach out for me. I'm not going to give you the whole wad. 
I'm not going to give you all that. I'm going to take all that. What I don't give you, don't try to take. I just want you to do one thing at a time. And that one thing should be what I ask you to do. Can you do that? Can you just take that one step? It could be as simple as a phone call. Oh, I don't want to make a phone call. I'd rather do whites. I don't want to say I'm sorry. I don't want to stop doing this and drive straight home instead of stopping off and and getting this this, um, cool gadget that I wanted. You can do it, but will you? See, it's the Lord who leads. It's the Lord who asks. And these little things... Well, they make a big difference. You think they don't, but they do. I remember there was a time when the Lord, Lord spoke to my heart. It's weird because like the Lord would say that. He put it on my heart, you know, don't, don't pick your fingernails. It was, a, it was a habit. One that I have every now and then dipped back into. <laughs> but that's just what he said to me. I thought that's kind of weird. Is that the Lord? Would the Lord say that? Well, he did. And so I did the best I could to stop picking fingernails. It was something I, I had no control over. Like, it's, it's, look at that. Look, it's, the, it's a corner, Lord. You don't expect me to live with that. And yet he did to clip it. He didn't say don't clip your nails. Just don't pick them. So what I learned was, There are things that seem like they're unattached to everything else in your life. Like, how could not picking your nails um, enhance a relationship or change your spending habits or whatever it is, your relationship with your dad or something like that? How could that ever work? They're not even related. But see, that's what faith is all about. The Lord tells us to do one thing. And it's our trusting him in the one thing that causes him to bless us in so many other ways. It's really about obedience, not connecting the dots. We are so into connecting the dots. From the time we're a kid, we're connecting dots. One, two, three, four. We get that. But for the Lord, he's got us doing stuff just because we're learning to trust him. And there's that that principle of of sowing and reaping, spiritual sowing and reaping. When God asks us to sow in obedience, we don't know what the reaping is. And if we don't do the sowing, we never know what the reaping is. It's in our best interest to trust the Lord with all of our heart, to do what he says to do. So listen for his voice. Come to him, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and lay it and leave it. Messy lives should be controlled. That means listen and respond and do your part. He won't give you more than you can handle, but guess what? He will give you something because it is a walk of faith, and he enables us. Messy lives must have a cure. That means we can't do it all on our own. We must look to him and listen to him and trust in him as our hope. And then messy lives get confused. Don't get sidetracked by the storms, problems. There's only one place you need to look. And also being around his people. Don't be afraid to be around his people because you miss out on a lot of godly counsel and wisdom that can help you through the problem that much faster.
than if you try to isolate yourself. So guys, we have each other. You look around, you go, it, it may not seem like much, but that's what makes what God does with us and through us all the greater. He uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Thanks for joining us today on Building on the Solid Rock. We hope you've learned some new things today as Pastor Troy taught through the Gospel of John. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit our website at buildingonthesolidrock.com. We also have an archive of previous messages available to you free of charge, ready to be listened to online or even downloaded and shared with friends and family. We're so blessed to be a part of your life in this way, and we'd love to hear how you've been impacted by Building on the Solid Rock. Feel free to send us an email at info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. We love being able to connect with our listeners in this way, and your feedback helps us continue to build this ministry. Next time, Pastor Troy will share more from the book of John and express additional examples of how Jesus proved he was unlike any other man that ever lived. Join us then, right here on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in.